Welcome to the Replant Podcast, providing biblical insight and encouragement to reclaim declining and dying churches for the glory of God and the good of our communities. Hey, welcome to the Replant Podcast. This is Bob Bickford. I'm the Associate Director of Replant, and I'm joined by Mark Clifton, the Senior Director of Replant. Mark, good to see you. Well, good to see you, Bob. And I am senior because I'm like the oldest guy in the room. Uh, not in replanting. That's one of the things I like about replanting. I hang out with guys who are in declining churches, and uh, and uh, and I'm not the oldest guy in the room. I hang out with guys at Nam, and I'm I'm twice the oldest guy in the room usually. I prefer to use the word seasoned. 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 I'm just old. Well, today we have uh, a topic that deals with a question that we're asked quite often, and we receive a lot of questions. And this one is probably at the top of the list. And the question is, what is the difference between revitalization and replanting? Well, that's a very good question. I'm so glad you asked that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we get that all the time. And, you know, it really doesn't matter how often we answer it. We still get it all the time. All the time. People Uh, are really curious because they they sound like they're similar, but then when you get close to them, they appear to be a little bit different. You know what? I I served in Canada for a a number of years, and uh, kind of the same thing. I mean, this is kind of weird, but, you know, in Canada, it's like the United States and Canada, they're very similar, but they're very, very different. (laughs) Yes. And, And replanting and revitalization, sometimes they're so similar, you think, well, there's no difference in them, but there's tremendous difference in them. And uh, in Canada, just about the time you think, well, there's no real difference here, then you see the tremendous differences that are there. So there are some significant differences, but it's really important to understand there's a tremendous amount of overlap between the two. A lot of the principles, a lot of the things we do in replanting are incredibly applicable to revitalization, but there are some distinctives, and and I think you know what they are. And uh, sure. why don't you share those with with the audience? Well, sure, I, I can do that. One of the things I think was because they're they're just waiting here. I can oh, see yeah. them. They're, they're, they've they've tuned up and they pulled the car over to the side of the road. They're going. Bob Bickford's going to give us the definition. <laughs> this would be one of those moments they'll remember where they were for the rest of their life when they heard this definition. I think you really sold that really big. Thank you. Very All right. Much. Well, our good friend, I think it was Kenneth Priest from uh, Texas, actually their teams who work with churches uh, for revitalization and replanting, he helped, he gives some helpful language that I think we, we have uh, adapted and then maybe adjusted just a little bit, but he says this, a revitalization is the supernatural work of God that restores health and vitality in a plateaued or declining church. It's evidenced by God's or by submission to God's word, right relationships among members and a renewed commitment to the great commission ministry. So, okay, do that, do that again. Read that, read read that one more time. I have to wrap it. I think if you wrap it, (laughs) if you could, if you could wrap it, then they would really remember it. So we're going to have to hire somebody new on the team that can do that. We could. All right. Give DA a call. Yeah. He'd he'd help us. He could do the spoken word. We could do that. No, go ahead. All right. Here we go. The supernatural revitalization is the supernatural work of God that restores health and vitality in a plateaued or declining church evidenced by submission to God's word right relationships among members, and a renewed commitment to Great Commission ministry. Good. So it really talks about uh, a revitalization is, first of all, a work of God in the church body. There doesn't seem to be outside influences that come in in terms of leadership or resources necessarily, but it's a genuine work 
within an existing body, within existing leadership structures, with existing folks. Would you say that's a good definition? Yeah, I think that really is. And uh, certainly in a revitalization, the church is not at the place where closure is imminent. They have quite a long uh, on-ramp or runway uh, before they get to the end. And so there's time for incremental changes. There's time for uh, small changes in trajectory. You know, Bob, just a a small change in the trajectory of a church carried out over a long time will will take the church to a very different place. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in a revitalization, time is somewhat on your side as opposed to a replant. You've got some time. And, uh, and so that is true. And that's probably the biggest difference between the two is just that the revitalization, the church is not imminently in danger of closing and they have some time, and they can do all this really from within. They may want to engage outside partners, but it's not to the degree that a replant does. Basically, it's, it's the, the people that are there, the, the leadership that's there, and there's just some retooling and refocusing and realigning their hearts to Christ and hearing what He has to say to the church and what His plan is for that church, and then together working toward that. Right. So one of the key factors is submission to God's Word. Would you say that uh, folks who find themselves in a revitalization uh, situation, that their hearts are submitted to other things other than God's Word? Like, what would some of those things be? Well, I, I think what happens is the church, when the church begins to decline, uh, we sort of just grab for anything. How can we keep this from happening? And can we start Awanas? Can we uh, revamp Sunday school? Can we change the worship music and maybe get some people to come in for that? How can we reach young people? And unfortunately, sometimes when churches begin to decline, they just kind of grab at different things. And and those things in and of themselves are absolutely not bad, and they may very well work in some other churches. But the reality is when a church begins to decline, it's, it's, there's some other things that are going on in that situation. And, uh, and one of those, obviously, is understanding who they're trying to reach and why they are not reaching them, and, uh, and understanding what God would do with that church, what His plan is for that church. You know, when a church, when a church begins to, to experience consistent decline, and, and consistent is a key word there, Bob. Um, you know, sometimes churches, they ebb and flow. Neighborhoods kind of ebb and flow. You may, you may have some key leaders that, that move because their job moves them, and, and for a few years, you're, you know, you're, you're sort of in a decline. But, but everything's pretty healthy and pretty stable, and, and it comes back. And so there's some normal ebb and flow. Um, you know, I, I'm reminded of the uh, parable that Jesus told about the vineyard owner. And he comes back and he sees the, the vineyard dresser there, the guy who takes care of it, and he picks out this tree and he says, you know, hey, it's been, it's been several years here and this tree's not producing any fruit and uh, cut it down. And it's not like one bad year you cut it down, but there's a pattern of not producing fruit mm-hmm. and you cut it down. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of look for that pattern. Is there a pattern of decline, a pattern of not reaching the neighborhood, a pattern of not making disciples, pattern of not seeing people come to know Jesus? I mean, that's when a church needs to really uh, get a hold of things and say, okay, what can we do in terms of in terms of getting that back and, and getting back on track? And again, it's not just grabbing at this program or that program or going to that conference or, or grabbing this book. It's really sitting down and aligning your heart with Jesus and saying, this is his church. He has a plan for this church. God has a plan for every church. And the role of the pastor and the leaders and the members of that church is to so align their heart to God, to Christ, that they begin to understand his plan for that church. And that may be Awanas. It may be to change the worship music. It, it may be to revamp Sunday school. It may be to start small groups. 
but it has to begin with what is God's plan for that church. And the revitalization uh, takes place, as you said, with, from within, with the current leadership, and, and maybe not outside help, but the church makes a, cha- a change in trajectory as they align themselves to, to God's plan for their church. So it seems to be really a work of renewal and revival. You know, one of the things that, that you have painted a good picture of is, is it's very easy for us to go outside and find a program, uh, a, a nine steps to, to revitalize your church or a, uh, an, an organization that might come in, well, not an organization, but a, a, an organization maybe that's produced some curriculum to do some studying. But we're really getting back to something very simple is discerning God's will, reading God's word, praying together, and then seeing where God leads the congregation. Bob, you know, I say all the time, the normative size church is a church of less than 200. It's well over 90% of all churches. So uh, if you're in that 10% of churches that are over 200, um, then... Uh, uh, at that point, uh, there are some other things that you may need to do, but you know we're talking to ninety percent of the people that we're going to talk to here are, are churches of under uh, under two hundred, mm-hmm. and they don't need to add a lot of programs to grow. I mean, they they really need, as I've said so many times, it is it is a spiritual renewal to renew their hearts to to come together as one family, one body, um, to make prayer an absolute integral part of the spiritual DNA and the life of that church to make corporate worship uh, impactful. Um, You know, I really think the place to begin in church revitalization, especially in that normative size church, any size church, I shouldn't say especially, but, you know, sometimes normative size church is under 200. All all we can think about is breaking the 100 barrier, breaking the 200 barrier. How do we get to be that big church? And, And again, just don't even think that. Think about how can you become the church God wants you to be in that neighborhood? How can you make disciples? How can you see the neighborhood noticeably better? And I really think in many ways that begins with worship, with corporate worship. What are you doing in corporate worship as you come together? Do your people really experience the presence of of the the overwhelming presence of the glory of God, the God who, who named every star and shot them out into space and holds them in place by his mighty power? Hey, he's right there among you, 60 or 80 gathered in that building on Sunday morning. And do you read his word publicly? And do you pray in a way that that the people listening to you pray really believe that you believe God's going to answer that prayer? Um, I think when we change many ways, when we change how we worship corporately, that begins to renew us. And And I don't mean you change the music and I don't mean you... You bring in a smoke machine and you, and you black out the windows and you have all kinds of lights. You know, that may be where God leads you eventually, but right. but I don't mean that. And so, yes, I really think that revitalization, especially the normative size church, don't focus on numbers. Don't focus on trying to uh, grab at a program or an event that will get the numbers back up, but focus on the heart of your people and their passion for God, their passion for holiness. So they will hear what he wants to do through them. All right, let's move on to the the work of replanting. Here's uh, the definition we have. Replanting is the process in which members of a church facing imminent closure discern God's leadership to dissolve their current ministry and work with other churches or denominational bodies to begin a new work for a new season of ministry in their community. There's a lot there in that definition. Yeah, there is. And you know, if you put those two things side by side, I mean, you really do begin to see the difference between mm-hmm. revitalization and replanting. As you said, in revitalization, it's the, the current leadership. You make some changes in trajectory. You refocus. There's a spiritual rebirth, a spiritual renewal. And you have an on-ramp that's long enough 
that allows you to do that. Right. But Ben, in replanting, the word you used there was death is imminent. Mm -hmm. And what we look at is if a church continues on its current trajectory of uh, of attendance and giving and uh, evangelism and expenditures, (laughs) will they be basically out of people and out of money in three to five years. Now, that doesn't mean somebody couldn't pass away and leave $100,000 or the church couldn't sell the parsonage next door and, and get $100,000. That's, that's really life support. That's, yeah. not, that's not real. If you just look at what the church is bringing in and how many people it's reaching and, and how many people it's losing each year, you can, you can actually project that out. And we have at any given time, Bob, Southern Baptists have up to 10% of our churches, 4,500 of them, that are within three to five years of closing. And for those churches, there isn't enough on-ramp left before they hit the wall um, for them to make small, minor changes in trajectory. Uh, they have to do some drastic rebooting. And you just described that in that uh, in that wonderful definition where they, they really do just sort of have to stop. And really a key factor in replanting is they've got to reach out for help. You, know, right. you, you can't plant a church. You shouldn't plant a church on your own. Right. You should plant a church with, with a sending church, maybe multiple sending churches. You, you can't replant on your own. That's where you have to lay down what you're doing, open up your hands and say, hey, we're, we're looking for, for what God would bring to us in terms of outside help. And we will not only look for it, but we're going to receive it mm-hmm. and we're going to embrace it and we're going to receive these outside partners. So time is a big factor in the difference between a revitalization, lots of time, incremental change. Right. But in a replanting situation, time is of the essence because you you really don't have a lot of time. Right. Uh, And and one of the things that the church— Let's let's back off. Okay. The church may go on for a decade, Mm -hmm. but in reality, it's done. Right. Okay. And you mentioned the life support. Right. And that's, is that what you're getting at? Right. And you look, I spend a tremendous amount of time with churches that are, uh, in fact, I saw a blog this morning by a very well-known pastor who re- re- related about a church in his neighborhood that he said in 1973 had, uh, had like 400 people or something like that. He said last Sunday morning they had 14. And he said, it's not uncommon in my, in my community for that to be the case. And I want to tell you, it's not uncommon across North America for that to be the case. Mm-hmm. And, and some of these churches, 12 or 14, be, because they do have some other sources of income and they can just kind of, they can go along for years and years, but basically they're finished. I mean, in terms of any impact on the neighborhood, uh, any, any ability to really advance the kingdom, and frankly, and I've got to be careful how I say this, but even a limited ability on how they're glorifying God. Let, let me go back to the, to the parable that Jesus told that I talked about a moment ago about the vineyard. The owner of the vineyard said, cut it down. And the reason he said he cut it down, that tree that wasn't bearing any fruit for multiple years, the reason he said cut it down wasn't out of spite or anger. He said cut it down because it's, it's preventing another tree that could bear fruit mm-hmm. from being there. Hmm. And so— I, of course, the vineyard worker said, "No, no, no! Give me, give me another year. Let me, let me break up the soil and let me fertilize it. Let me work on it." Right. You got to wonder well, why did you do that two years ago. Right. But still, nonetheless, and that's the best part of the parable where the vineyard owner says, "I, I want to do that," and that's a replant. It's like it's when you look at it, you go, "Man, it is not bearing fruit." And if you're not bearing fruit, you don't have an entitlement to exist as a church indefinitely. And that's what Jesus said in the Book of Revelation when he visited the churches there in Asia. You know, they all had good things going for them. 
but they had something that he had against them, and it was so serious that he was going to remove their lampstand. And so a church may still be going on for a while, but if it's not bearing fruit, and we say bearing fruit scripturally, is making disciples who make disciples to make the community noticeably better. Right. If that doesn't happen consistently over a period of time, then even though the church may continue to meet, it really has ceased to exist as a church that glorifies God. Right. So a, a replant church is one that comes to the decision that we're not bearing fruit. And then they make a, a courageous decision and a difficult one to, to dissolve the way they're doing ministry. Uh, and letting go of uh, perhaps the, yeah, the you control. Yeah, said, you said dissolve, and that's all people are going to hear. I, right. I I got something the other day from a, from a, a dear uh, pastor in uh, another state, I'll just say that, and he was not happy, and, and I think you saw it too. Basically, mm-hmm. he thought that we were saying you have to kick everybody out and give everything away in order to replant. Mm. Um, I've never said that. Obviously, just the opposite. I really do believe that uh, one of the greatest – ministries of a replanter is you get to you get to to take the remaining members and you get to warm their hearts to the gospel and help them see what Jesus would do with their church and let them be a part of it. So when we say dissolve, we don't necessarily mean you kick the people out. Obviously you never kick the people out, but we don't necessarily mean you you dissolve the church and it goes away. Unpack really what you mean when you say that, Bob. Well, so dissolve the current, we might say, form of ministry or approach to ministry. So, for instance, if we're uh, still doing, uh, and this was a case in our replant, we had uh, some people that came with us to to replant the church there uh, in in our city in uh, St. Louis area. And we were doing, or the, the church had done a Sunday night service. So they had a, a Sunday morning service, uh, once a month business meeting on Wednesday, and then a Sunday night service. And the Sunday night service was a, a sweet group of about four or five adults. And basically they were they were still holding a service and it was actually functioning as a small group. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we talked about was restructuring that Sunday night gathering to repurpose it and refocus it. So to, as in essence, to dissolve it, not do away with the people, but, but send them into groups that met in homes where there were a great number of people that were already meeting on a regular basis. So that's one aspect of, of dissolving uh, a current form of ministry. But I, I really would want to underscore, we're not talking about shutting the place down and kicking everybody out. Right. What we're talking about is helping the church stop doing the things that were not working and begin to do the things that God is leading them to do to strengthen the body, to reclaim God's glory, and to move into the community and to make a difference for for uh, the kingdom. Of right, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely. And so in a, in a replant situation, the remaining people have to come together and say, for God's glory, we're, we are absolutely going to release everything. Mm-hmm. And it may be the name. You know, I don't like changing church's names. Right. I, I'm... I'm I like to remain. I like to keep the name because I want to redeem and reclaim the name. Yeah. People always say, "Oh, the name's terrible in the neighborhood." Well, then let's make it good again. Yeah. Because if we don't, anyway, that's another topic for another blog podcast. <laughs> but but it doesn't. It, you know, that you you come with open hands and you say it may mean we change the name. It, it may mean we do give the building to a, a partner to a state or an association or, or another church because we can no longer manage it. Uh, it may mean that some outside people come in and, and they join us and they outnumber us from the very beginning. It may mean that we become a campus of another church and we lose, in that sense, what we know as autonomy. Right, right. 
I don't know what it means, but but a replant is when the people come together and go, we, we are at the end here. And uh, the vineyard owner has shown up and he has said that this tree has not produced any fruit and uh, and we have to cut it down. And, and the, the vineyard dresser says, no, give, give me one more year. And everything's on the table. Mm-hmm. And so everything is literally on the table. Uh, and so that's what a replant is. It is that sort of drastic uh, experience where you open your hands and you say, it's all available. Uh, there, there's nothing we're holding on to. Uh, and, and and then working with some partners to allow them to help you understand where God's at work in this. And as we said, there could be a variety of things. Maybe there's a church plant that comes in and and uh, and you share the building with a church plant. Maybe you merge with that church plant. Maybe there's a church in another city or in your city that wants to put a campus in there. Or maybe there's another sending church, another church that cares for you, and they want to come in and help you sort of revamp your whole church from within and bring in some outside leadership. That's a replant. And when you describe it that way, it's very different than revitalization. Absolutely. Okay. Right. So, uh, and the outside partner component is one of the critical pieces of a replant. So in a revitalization, it's work within <laughs> with the people who are there. Replant is, is making a determination that they have to do something to get help. They have to stop some things. They have to dissolve some things, but they have to reach out to people who uh, can help them as a church move forward into God's future. And I think one of the hardest things in the replant is for them to come and say, we just got to let this go. Right. Um, We've, we've got to trust the Lord that he will take his church and he will, he will use it for his glory. And we've got to let it go. Uh, People don't, People have a hard time letting go of things like that, Bob. They're mm-hmm. so used to controlling it, to managing it. Uh, they're so used to that being sort of their little world where everything is familiar and and they don't want to give it up. And I, I fully understand that. But as I say, everywhere I go, that church at that point has become an idol for them. Mm-hmm. They An idol is something you run to for comfort and security and when they're running to that particular form and version of church for their comfort and security, it's a false idol. And you know it's a false idol because if it's a false idol, you're always afraid of losing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the idol is Jesus Christ, you're never afraid of losing it. And that's right. why Paul said he could be content whether he's in jail or whether he's free, whether he's got people around him, whether he's lonely, whether he's uh, 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 got clothing or whether he doesn't, whether he, whatever. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because his idol is Jesus. That never changes. And and so for a replanter, man, we want people to embrace Christ in such a way that, that they can have joy even if the church building changes its decor, if they get moved out of their Sunday school classroom. And here's a big one. If they no longer get to teach Sunday school, mm-hmm. you, you don't know how many times I run into that in a replant situation. It may mean that we need to sort of reconfigure how we do Sunday school, uh, do some more multi-generational things, and and maybe even bring in some outside teachers to help teach children. Right. I hear so many times, oh, you you, you don't understand. I really need to teach this class. Mm-hmm. This is my class. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, when someone says that, and I got to be really careful how I word this. It's possible that they're feeding off of the class instead of the class feeding them. Absolutely, the class the class becomes a uh, an affirmation for them, uh, a validation of maybe their right. their abilities or right. gifts. Or and same uh, thing for a pastor. Right. I mean, I, I've I've been with pastors of, of churches that need to be replanted. And he said, "Well, I really need to preach, and I I just this, you don't know how much I need to do this." And I think, well. No, you need Jesus, and that's enough. And, mm-hmm. and I know that seems a little 
little uh, harsh for me to say that, but whenever we say I need to preach, I mean, that shows that, that preaching is giving you something that the gospel isn't. And, um, and when we come as a replant, we got to come and realize, look, this tree is not bearing fruit and it's not our tree. And it's going to get cut down unless we make some drastic changes. And that means everything is on the table, every Sunday school class, every church officer, and even the pastor. Mm-hmm. And we just say here, it, it belongs to Christ. He's the head of this place. And we want to open ourselves up and whatever he wants to do, uh, we will do. And that does mean outside partners come in and work with you. You know, one of the greatest cool things about being Southern Baptist is that you're part of the largest denomination in the world and a denomination now that's getting all of its engines going toward replanting. Yeah. So if you're a dying church, a church that's about to hit the wall, a church that just isn't making disciples and is barely, barely uh, making it and you don't know what the future is— Man, if you reach out and you let your state convention know or your local association and say, hey, we are willing to be a replant and we'll we'll listen to anybody that wants to help us. There has never been a time in Southern Baptist life where so many churches and state conventions and your North American Mission Board have wanted to help you like we want to help you today. And uh, there is really no excuse in that sense for a church to die uh, and just kind of go away. There are so many resources out there. Um, I'm dealing with a church right now that um, cannot vote to, 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 to basically go to a replant. They need a, a certain percentage in their constitution and bylaws to make this happen. Right. And they're about three votes short. There's only like 20 people voting. Right. But there's four or five folks that just won't let this go. And, uh, man, I, I went over there and spoke with them and prayed with them, and I preached for them. And obviously— I'm not very effective <laughs> because every time they, they vote like every Sunday and nothing's changed, it's, oh. it's the kind of the oddest thing. Well, it's not the oddest well, thing. Well, it's I've a work. Seen. It's a, it shows it's a spiritual well, work well, right? in know. the hearts of people. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. When you're in replanting, you see lots of odd things. But, you know, nonetheless, and, and, and until that church realizes we have to close and let go, then nothing's going to happen. But if they were to do that, I mean, there are, there are, Sending churches really, literally lined up on the runway, saying, "Give us, give us an opportunity to come along and work with that place. Mm-hmm. That's a great building in a great neighborhood. There's still some wonderful old saints in there that mm-hmm. we could embrace and love. And it just breaks my heart that that these folks just don't want to give that up yet. Right. And uh, and I do believe that is an idol in their life. Right. Right. It just it simply underscores that what we're facing with the 4,600 churches that we see in our denomination that are in decline is not a strategic issue no. solely. No. It is a spiritual issue. Right. And uh, if we would just remember to ask our listeners to pray with us for those churches that are on every corner in every city in every small town that need a fresh work of God uh, for uh, God's God's work to, to be done in that church so that church can regain health and vitality for God's glory and the good of the community. Yep. Some of the resources we'd like to mention uh, towards that end, you do a lot of work with the Blackabees and Blackabee Ministry International. Can you tell us about one of the resources that they use yeah, to help I mean, churches? I mean, I just think it's the greatest thing ever. It's Flickering Lamps, and uh, it's a wonderful book. And then they've got a DVD set that goes with it where Richard and Henry uh, teach about 15 minutes uh, on each chapter. Uh, and man, they speak right to the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you just you put it on your screen and these two guys speak right to the church. And uh, it really is for churches that are facing closure. And and how do we do just what I said? How do we do? Uh, how do we lay down all of our idols and align our hearts to Jesus and hear what he would have to say? You know, one of my favorite things that Henry says on that video is, 
that uh, God is under no obligation to resource your plans for his church, mm. but he'll spare no asset of heaven to resource his plan for his church. Wow. And so, you know, this whole video set, this whole teaching series of flickering lamps is to help a church align their hearts to Jesus. I think it's the most important thing a dying church uh, could use uh, today. It's really a retelling of experiencing God, but really focused on a dying church. Mm. So that's available. You can check that out uh, on the Blackaby Ministries International site. I think we have a link on it to churchreplanters.com. And then for those who lead uh, the church on the inside, the the deacons or a church council or a group of elders that are looking to uh, discern God's future for their church that might involve replanting, we have the Associational Replanting Guide that is written primarily for DOMs and uh, Sin City Missionaries, uh, Church Planting Catalyst, that helps them understand and helps the church understand what it means to walk through the stages to discern what God wants to do in replanting. So we started from evaluation and it goes all the way through implementation and multiplication. And so that is available also at nam.net or churchreplanters.com. Mark, it's been great to talk about uh, things uh, related to revitalization and replanting. There's so much more we could talk about, but we'll save that for a future podcast. All right. And as always, thanks for joining us here on the Replant Podcast. Check out the websites for more information, and we will talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to the Replant Podcast, a resource of the SEND Network of the North American Mission Board. For more information, visit churchreplanters.com.